Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Like would take you back just a, a, a number of months ago. This was back in June. I, re- I remember this day specifically. And it was back in June that we had been down here about six months, and it was just a a really difficult time for us. And it was a difficult time. One of the reasons was financially. And the problem we had is, is we had moved down here. We hadn't sold or rented out our other house. Uh, Tanya had been working and she hadn't found a job down here yet. And, and it was getting to the point where all of our reserves were being drained and just it was getting to be crunch time financially. And so we were in the house we were renting in the pool and floating around and, you know, just saying, you know, this is, you know, we're going through a tough time right now. And one of the things that we talked about and we brought up was, imagine if we lived in Phoenix 100 years ago and lived in the exact rental house that we were living in. We would be the richest people in Phoenix. That, that people would come around for miles to hear about everything that we had. They, they would talk about that pastor who in, the, in his backyard has like a, a cement water holder where he's able to go and, and they just float around in there to cool off in the summer. And then as if that weren't enough, they go from the pool into a home that has something called air conditioning where it, it's a controlled temperature and it, it's not humid and it's not stuffy. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable. And then if you walk in through that door into the air-conditioned home, he has a machine that keeps all of his food cold and in the top of it, it makes ice for him. That at any time he wants to go in and grab some ice unless his kid's going to take all the ice, then he's able to, to go in and And think about that. Compared with a hundred years ago, uh, all the things that have changed, anything in your home that has electricity uh, was not used because there was no electricity in, in the homes. Indoor plumbing, running water, all of those things, how much they've changed and things we've taken for granted. Compared with a hundred years ago, I think of just moving down here. Uh... I took my son back to school last July, and, and we drove straight through, and it took us 32 hours. 32 hours to go, uh, I don't know, maybe 1,800 miles in that neighborhood. And, and we're talking, oh my gosh, what a drive that is. That's, oh, you know, it's difficult. But think about 100 years ago, if you were going to make a move from Wisconsin to Phoenix, that would have probably taken a half of the year maybe even more than that, to get yourself and all of your things down here. And, and again, the point is this, is just think of over the last hundred years, the things that have changed. And what has happened is the word that I would use is life is much more convenient. That, that there are so many things that we have and things that we take for granted that people at that time didn't have. But now I want you to go to the, the nearer past, and, and in my lifetime, and, and in many of yours, we've gone through uh, not a convenience change, 
but we've gone through a communication change. When, when I think back to when I, I went to high school, I, I, went, I was in a dorm, and in the dorm that I was in, there were 50 people on the first floor, 50 on the second, 50 on the third, and there was one payphone in the middle of the floor that all 50 of us used. And, and each week, if you were going to call mom and dad, you'd get out your phone card so you could type that in and, and wouldn't have to pay. Uh, well, they'd have to pay. But uh, so, so you would do that. And, and how that has changed now, I, that if you go to high school, how many kids don't have a cell phone? I went back and looked. Verizon has been around since 2000. It's, been, it's 13 years old. Sprint, which I think is one of the earliest communication companies, was founded in 1986 and the World Wide Web, 1991. And, and, and you look at those things and, and all of the communication that, that, has, that has taken place where we can talk to people across the country, we can Skype people across the world. And, and, and we have all of this communication the problem is, is that even though we have convenience and communication, one thing we find that as people we long for is a third C, and that is connectedness or, or being connected. And, and what has happened is the internet and, and the world wide web and all this communication has, has helped that, right? Where we have something like Facebook, where 500 million people plus use that. Twitter, another 600 million people. And then you look at, at sites where people are looking for connectedness, like maybe ones like Christian Mingle or Match.com or, or whatever, that there are up to a billion people that are interested in those websites because they want to be connected. The problem is, is that communication tools don't guarantee connectedness. I like to pick on Phil Bischoff anyways, and this gave me an opportunity. Uh, one of them, we gave him a hard time. He's on the communication team, okay, here at Crosswalk. And uh, one of the things he did on his communication team that we were on it was there, there was the bulletproof identity uh, logo that we were going with. And his daughter, uh, his wife, uh, his wife, Rachel, thank you, uh, is the one who is a graphic artist who, who did this. And he had a few changes that he wanted to make, so he emailed her the changes that he thought should be made on the logo. And I emailed back, and, I, and he included all of us in it on it as well. I said, Phil, maybe get off the computer, walk downstairs, and tell Rachel the changes you would like to make. That, that might help with the connectedness. But, but you look at that, and, and, and we laughed about it, but have you ever texted someone who was in the same house that you were in. Yeah, I don't want to go up there. I'm going to send them a text. Uh, come in here. It's bedtime. Uh, let the dog out. Whatever it is that you, you don't even want to do that. That we have all this communication. And so one person's on the internet. One person's watching TV. Another person is texting. And all of this communication has really isolated us even more. Well, today, as we, we look into God's word, we are going to see that being connected and, and wanting to be connected is a, a normal human desire. And it is, it is a desire 
that truly only Jesus Christ can help us fill. And that's not just a connectedness with God, but it's also a connectedness which he, he promises us with one another. And so uh, with that, with this idea of wanting to be connected, we, we hear Jesus say, I am the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. And, and as we look at this today, we will see that that is the connection that God gives us. We go to our lesson, and it's in John chapter 15. And before Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, he introduces the Father. He says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So before he even talks about us as, as the branches, he talks about himself as the vine and the father as the gardener. And, and the gardener, the work that the, the gardener does is this pruning. And I'll be honest with you, I have never been to a vineyard before. I uh, have had a couple wines on occasion, but I'm not a connoisseur or anything like that. And so as I was looking at this vine and the branches and vineyard, I had to do some research. And I came across this short little uh, YouTube video that I'd like you to see. And it's, uh, they call this guy the Grape Meister, which made me laugh anyways. But, but the Grape Meister, who will be the person talking, is speaking about the importance of the pruning process. Pruning grapevines is an essential part of growing the plant and therefore in making wine. Pruning your grapevines might seem like useless work. However, if you want to grow quality grapes for wine, pruning is an essential activity. Even though you might think that proper pruning feels like you're cutting away the major portion of the vine, it's the key element that will assure you a good harvest and good tasting wine. When that happens, you're in for a treat. One of the things that he, that he was speaking about going through this pruning process is that every year, if you are going to properly prune a grapevine, 80 to 90% of the plant is cut away. And, and when I heard that, that, that just blew my mind, that, that it would be that much. But maybe you don't know anything about pruning, and, and maybe you do. But there are times, that we had to learn this when we came down to Arizona as well. There's different types of trees down here. And the first time that our tree was getting kind of bushy, I didn't, I didn't know exactly how to take care of it. So I, had, I hired a guy to do it. And after he was done, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy just killed the tree. That, that there was so much cut off, it was unbelievable. And then I realized he knew exactly what he was doing. That just a couple months later, it had, had filled out and the tree, it helped it grow and it gave it a great shape. And so as we look at this, understand in your life that the job of the Father is to prune you. And even though, I guess, grapevines don't have feelings, that, that we understand when something gets cut back and, and gets taken in that there is pain involved. And, and God prunes us in a number of ways. And one way that he prunes us is with the use of his law. That when God points out sin and when God points out wrong in our lives and, and we are told to cut it out, that, that the cutting out goes very deep. And when you think about that, 
again, the example is that of pruning that 80 to 90% of myself needs to be cut away. We might even go farther and, and say, you know what? We need to be cut all the way back, all the way back to the vine. And that's where we need to start is with Christ. But pruning takes place anytime God cuts and removes things from our lives. That can also happen with loss. Anytime we have loss in, in, in life and we look at that and we say, no, God, don't cut that off. That's something we want. Maybe even make it as part of our, our identity, whether it's a relationship with another person or a relationship with, with friends or a relationship as it's related to work, that going through the pruning process is very difficult. But why does God do it? John 15, verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If you remember, Jeff, a number of weeks back, talked about our identity who we are, that we have identity, we are children of God, that he went from there to destiny. Where are we going? And that's when we talked about Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Our destiny is heaven. And then he went to purpose. And and as I look at my purpose, what is it that I do? What am I doing here? That this lesson, more than any other that we are going through, answers the question, what is my purpose? to bear fruit and give God glory. That is why we are here. And so in the blank, you can write, the Father's work is to prune us. And as he prunes us, he also gives me purpose for my life. He prunes me and gives me purpose for my life. One other picture that that, uh, I'd like you to put up right now is, is one that I... I I went on uh, Google and and put in uh, vineyards in Israel. And and as you look at the picture, I I don't know how easy it is to see on this, but but I think you can see a clear division between the vineyard and the rest of the land. And the vineyard is is very nice. It's in a row. Uh, It's a clear of weeds. And then the rest of it is just overgrown. And... And it, what that shows me is as you look about it and as, as God looks at what he's doing in our lives, that what he does and part of his purpose is to separate us from the rest of the world. And, and sometimes when you use the word holy, holy when it's talking about God means perfect and without sin. But also the word holy means set apart for a special purpose. And that's what God does when he makes us into a vineyard, when Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, that we have the special purpose of standing out from the world, of holding out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and a very important part of this, as we begin remembering the Father's the gardener who gives me purpose for my life. We go on from there. One way that he cuts us back, as I said, is with the preaching of the law. This is one of those verses. John 15, verse 6 says... If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. 
The fourth thing that, that Jeff talked about was possibility, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And there's a flip side of that. And, and the flip side of that is that if I am not in Christ, he does not give me strength. And I cut myself off from my God. And when that happens, uh, what does this look like? My life and identity without the triune God will be withered. Again, you think about a branch that is cut off. You know that over, maybe it'll be good for a couple days, but over a period of time, it's going to wither. Or even flowers that are cut, and you put them in a vase, even with water, and it's a matter of time, they will start to wither. And that's what happens to us. When, when we cut ourselves off from God, we cut ourselves off from God's blessing. We are not blessed. The next one is that when I cut myself off from the triune God, I am isolated. And, and as we, we think of the word isolated, what I'd like you to think about is, is this idea of being away from God. That, that God is here and I'm here and now that I have this separation from him, I'm not connected to him anymore. Very closely related to that is the third one, and that is I'm disconnected. And the way that I, I separated these in my mind is that the isolation is the isolation I have from God. The disconnection I have is not only from God, but it's from other people. Because when I am not acting in love, when I am acting in a way that is sinful and full of sin, it not only separates me from God, but it separates me from those around me as well. That it hurts and destroys those relationships. And then the final one is that when I have this identity in life without the triune God, I will be miserable. And that, that misery is seen in that separation itself, but also then the promise of being thrown into the fire. And again, as we look at the imagery that the church and, the, and God uses in his word to describe hell. Now, as we look at that and that misery, this is something that, uh, that I was thinking about. And we use disconnection as a punishment, okay? And I don't remember this too much as a kid, but uh, we, we start with this as a punishment for children, right? That when, uh, when a child is misbehaving, what do we do now? We give them a timeout. And, and if you are like me, you're like, time out, are you kidding me? It's got to be a little more serious than that. Uh, that, that we need to give them a, a more serious punishment. But before you, you think that way, I, I would like to take you through the, the stages of, of disconnection as punishment. Because there is also a punishment for husbands that is the equivalent of a timeout, And it's called the silent treatment. Which is not going to a place where you have to sit down and be alone, but it is when you are in a home and you can go wherever you want, but you are not going to receive answers to your questions, that someone is not going to talk to you. And it is an effective punishment because it can drive you crazy where you like, enough, finally just talk to me. Let's, and, and it is, it's, it's a kind of punishment. But even then, if you're saying, Dan, you're just weak, seriously. Uh, that's, you got to get over that. Think about this in Supermax prison. When, when someone is, is in the highest prison, the most secure prisons we have in the land, 
and, and they don't follow the rules and they're calling, causing trouble, what do they do? Solitary confinement. They give them a, a, a time out. And, and when they put them in that cell, uh, it, it was interesting because I was looking at this, this idea of not being connected as a punishment, that, that people look at that and they say it's torture, that it's cruel and unusual punishment to remove someone and make them be by themselves all of the time. And that is why as we look at the ultimate punishment from God is really separation from him. That, that he says, you know what, if you want to be separated from me, I'll let you. And not only will I let you, but I will make it final for an eternity. But Jesus is the vine, so that never needs to happen. We go on from there. Where Jesus, John 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, when you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so what, the, what Jesus offers us is this connection back to God. And, and in Proverbs 13, verse 20, he, he explains a little bit of how this connection takes place when he says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Can fill in the blank right away. The son's work is to connect us with God. When you think of Jesus being the vine, we are the branches, the connection we have with them, it's not magical, okay? It's not something that, that's really hard to figure out. The way that we are connected with Jesus and, and stay connected with our God is through his word, plain and simple. And I, I think of different Bible passages. One of them that stands out the most is from the book of Acts when the disciples were on trial and it says that the, the leaders of the people recognized that these were ordinary men, but yet they were courageous, and, and they stood up for what they, they believed. And it says that they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And, and so what happened is, you know, as we look at the Gospels, during the three years when the disciples were with Jesus, there were times when they did some pretty stupid stuff. But it was also a time for them to learn as they, they hung around with someone who was not only wise, but someone who was the savior of the world, the one who would give his life for them. And it changed them. And as I look at this, I, I am beginning to see the truth of this more and more. And, and possibly, not possibly, it is. The best part of being a pastor at Crosswalk is being able to meet as a staff and do devotions together every day. And that's what we do. And one of the things that we do is, is these soap journals that, that we've talked, I've talked about it before and encourage you if you don't do it to try it. Soap, it, it's search God's word, find a verse. It, we, so we all read the same thing, but we all pick different verses. Always observe observations about the verse. Application, what it means for your life. And then prayer, praying to God about that or, or how he can help you with that. And doing that is very valuable. But doing it with a group of people who then read them back and forth to each other is, is crazy. As we look at the group, 
obviously with Jeff, you get to hear him uh, every other week or, or whenever he preaches. And you know this. So, so you know that as Jeff goes through God's word, uh, it's just a blessing to hear him preach. But listening to Jonathan go through a, a soap journal, it's, it's amazing because he looks at it from a perspective of someone who's involved in worship and music. And, and it's from a totally different point of view. Phil does it from the standpoint of outreach and touching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and looks at it, the, the same verses through that lens. Christy looks at it from crosswalk kids and, and how important children are and how important it is to teach the next generation. Crystal looks at it from a standpoint of volunteers and, and getting people together, moving forward and how the church worked together. Doug looks at it from a, a perspective of, of operations and occasionally how much things cost. And, and, those, and that's his perspective. And, and when, you, when you get done with those devotions on any given day, that, that I, there are some days I think this more than others, but definitely all the time that I realize I'm leaving that Starbucks stronger and more connected and, and more informed about my God. Definitely connected to the staff and connected to Christ more than I was when I walked the, into that building. I'm telling you, it's not magic. That is how it works. I'm begging you. I am begging you to please see this in growth groups. If you're not in one, I'm not saying that you, you can't connect to Christ because you can. You can read his word and, and do devotions and, and God bless you because he does connect with you. But when this connection comes through another person who enriches your life with the gospel, it, it is something that cannot be replicated or duplicated. It is a gift of God from the Holy Spirit to keep you connected to your Savior, Jesus Christ. We continue. As, as we look at this, so the Father's the gardener, Jesus is the vine. One more person in the Trinity, uh, and that's the Holy Spirit. And so uh, John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we understand this, right? God wants us bearing fruit. And, and what we are able to see is with the next verse as well, Galatians 5, 23, the Holy Spirit makes an appearance when, when we are told, but what is this fruit of the vineyard? What are we talking about? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. That's patience. In case you needed to look it up like I did. Patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So in your blank, you can write, The Spirit works through God's word to produce fruit in my life. Spirit works through the word to produce fruit in my life. So the question is, who do you produce fruit that as you look at this, if this is my purpose, and, and my purpose that as I do, do all of this to the glory of God, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, who do we, do, who do we produce fruit for? God, right? 
That, that's why we do it. But here's the beauty of the Christian life. The fruits we produce are for God. But the wine made from them, we all get to drink. Think about that for a moment. The fruits are produced from God, but the wine made from peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control are ones that you get to drink. Think about this in a practical way. Before we, we talked about individuals who are withering and isolated and disconnected and miserable. And I am telling you that there are, there are times when they describe to a T dance lofra. And, and when, when I'm that way, my, my normal reaction is, what's wrong with everyone around me? How come they're angering me and ticking me off this way? They got to they gotta change. When the reality of it is, is that as I look at whatever relationship it is, whether it's with the staff at Crosswalk, whether it's with my wife, whether it's with my children, that if I find the fruits of the Spirit being more evident in my life, who doesn't like being around someone who's patient? Who doesn't like being around someone who's kind and self-control, someone who's considerate of others? And what you find is as you produce those fruits and as those around you get to drink them, praise is given to God, but enjoyment is given to you as well. Uh, the expression that sometimes I say it is this, living the Christian life is its own reward. Because as you do this, as you follow as the Lord wants you to, the one who is blessed is you and those around you. And the one who is given praise is the Father. So that's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And, and that's the vineyard in which we live. But what does this have to do with my identity? How do I take this now? And, and how does this help me become bulletproof? First of all, we look at John 15 verse 9. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Okay, so he's, he's talking about this love. Ephesians 5, 25 and 32 talks about the same type of love. So I wanted to include it. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then later on, a little bit later, says, this is a profound mystery. This love is it's just unbelievable. But I'm talking about Christ and the church, that that love is just, it, it's, it's mysterious. It is like unbelievably hard to grasp and understand because it is so great. And then John 15, verse 12 to 14 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And in the blank right away, you can write, Jesus' relationship with me is close and intimate. And he showed the full extent of his love by giving his life for you. By giving his life for you.
All right. So as I look at this relationship that, that God has with me, with pruning me back by connecting me through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working through me to produce fruit, what finally brings the connectedness is not communication and not convenience, but it is love. That is how we stay connected to God and to one another. I heard this expression once. It it said, tell someone who is loved that you love them and it's a crumb. Tell someone who's not loved that you love them and it's a feast. And and as I I thought about this and and I thought about it in in this term of, of Jesus explaining, trying to explain to us to his disciples and to us, how much he loves us. That, that this is a, a love that is meant to, to blow us away. And, and, and what Jesus is saying when he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. What he's saying is, it is impossible for me to love you any more than I do. And the ultimate way that I show it is is to give down my life and and, and lay down my life for you. And again, I want you to think about people in your your life that you love. And I want you to think about other people in this building. You're going to walk out other people on this patio. They're going to be people that you don't know here today. And and I'm going to say that that Christ's call is, is for us to love all of them. So as we looked at this, you might as well get to know them a little bit because you're loving them and maybe let them know. But when it comes to the love that I have for my family and, and, and the, the love that I have for you, I mean, this is, this is a line I walk as a pastor, and that is how much time am I going to give towards ministry? How much time am I going to give for my family? Because I don't want to neglect my family in order to serve others, right? That's the, that's the, the line that I think all of us walk, right? And, and so we look at this, and, and what we say is our family then, that, that God first and then family is the way that it has to go. But as we look at God's love, he says, no, it's not first thing I need to do is protect the son. And then those sinners will, will think about at a different time. But God said, no, my son is going to go. The one with whom I have perfect love, I'm going to extend that love to you. And so when you leave here and ask yourself, who am I? You are someone that... Jesus could not love more. And he gave us the cross as a way to try to help us understand it by giving an object lesson of his great love. There is nothing that he will not do for you. Nothing. And it's my prayer and his reality that it changes who you are that it changes your identity and it changes the way that we interact and connect with one another. That as we look at other individuals, they are other individuals who are loved by Christ just as much as I am. And I want to show that love with these fruits of the Spirit that come from being connected to Christ. The final verse is from John 15, verse 10. 
If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's command and remain in his love. And so the encouragement is, is this in the blank. I will remain in God's love as I obey his commands and stay connected through his word. I will remain in God's love as I obey his commands and stay connected through his word. And we call this, Jeff, we love calling it this, the maturity cycle. If only we had a picture of the maturity cycle, that would be the best. Oh, it got moved a little bit, but it looks good. Uh, this, is, this is the maturity cycle. And the maturity cycle is this, that it's listening to God's word and putting it into practice. So I learn and I do. I learn and I do. Uh, I'm connected with Christ. I hear his word. And then I go and bear fruit. And, and what we could also put in the maturity cycle for today only would be a pruning shears. And that as we go through this process, God also cuts me back. That, that as I continue to grow, that he wants me as fruit as poss- as, to be as fruitful as possible, for that wine to be as sweet as possible to drink. And so he cuts me back every year, every day, and, and making us as fruitful as possible. And it's this maturity cycle of hearing and doing, which is why growth groups and ministry teams are so prominent at Crosswalk. We do that because it is part of remaining connected with Christ and where each of us as Christians need to continue to go. I will leave you with the, with the final verse of the day, and that's John 15, verse 5. The verse for memory, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you have given us Jesus Christ as the vine. And and we know that as we are connected to him, he nourishes us. He gives us whatever we need. And and as we stay connected to him, uh, we bear much fruit. Lord, be with us through difficult times, through the pruning process, where we feel like part of our our hearts and, and our lives are cut away. Help us to see no matter what we are going through at times when we, we feel withered and we feel isolated and, and miserable that you are with us and always go back to Christ to be connected and then again continue that maturity cycle in our lives. Lord, you help us see the purpose. Our purpose is to give you glory. Help us to do it as effectively as possible in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, before we close, if you want more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. We are connected to our God through a bond of love that cannot be broken and will never be broken. And, and go with that. That is a bulletproof identity. Uh, going with that love of Jesus Christ. Just a reminder this next week, opportunities to be connected. Uh, we have worship on Good Friday, uh, Saturday, and, and Sunday as well. The, the week after that, the big kickoff for Saturday. Uh, make sure you look at your programs. Uh, look at the website, uh, the emails that are sent. Make sure you're, you're looking for those opportunities to be connected and to bear fruit. Keep that maturity cycle going. And as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor 
and give you his peace. Amen.